Okay. In terms of the ceremony, again, the start by blessing the palms, then we'll pass them out, just like communion. We'll start at the altar with the altar boys, then everybody else can come and kneel down, and, and we'll hand out the palms and so forth. Then uh, wash my hands, we'll come over here, we'll sing the gospel that I just read. Then I'll say, Prochidamus in pace, which means let us proceed in peace. And we'll lead the way, okay? We'll go right out the door, and then the first pews and so forth you can follow, we'll go out and around and back in. If you have any trouble or whatever, don't feel bad about staying in here. If you have little kids, what have you. Okay, we'll go up the close side, around the far side of the parking lot. We'll get back. After we're back, there's one more prayer, and then we'll change, and we'll start Holy Mass. And you can put down your palms once Mass starts. One of the things you notice in the Passion is all of a sudden towards the end, the music will change. And that's called the involvement. Involvement is just a Latin word that means like winding up. And you can hear the music the sound of our Lord being wrapped in the winding cloths. So even if you don't understand the words, you can understand the music because you'll be able to hear how it's right. You'll be able to tell, believe me, it all of a sudden it just changes, and that's what the, the chronicler's saying. Okay, what does it all mean? Okay, we'll start with our Lord's route into Jerusalem. We've talked about this before. On Palm Sunday, our Lord comes up to Jerusalem from Bethany. Bethany means the house of ripe figs. Bethany is the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And it's also where during all Holy Week, our Lord will return to spend the night until finally Holy Thursday, where he's in the garden, he's apprehended. But during Holy Week, our Lord comes from Bethany, goes to the Holy City, and then he goes back to Bethany. And everything he does has a meaning. He comes from Jerusalem, from the house of ripe figs, and he travels through Bethphage. He chooses a journey, so he goes to another village on his way to Jerusalem. What's Bethphage mean? It means the house of unripe green figs. Well, so what? Turn back the clock. Earlier in his public ministry, our Lord had warned the Jews, unless you repent, you will all perish. And immediately after that warning, he told them a parable. Quote, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came seeking fruit on it, and he found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Lo, these three years I have come seeking fruit on his fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And the vine dresser answered him, Let it alone, sir, this year also, till I dig about it and put on manure. And if it bears fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. Close quote. The multitudes knew exactly what our Lord was talking about in this parable. He's warning them that they have to bring forth fruits of repentance. In the parable, the man who owns the vineyard stands for God the Father. The vine dresser stands for Christ our Lord. The fig tree stands for the Jewish nation, which, of course, our Lord has spent some three and a half years trying to get bring forth good fruits. He's going around preaching to them, doing miracles, healing the sick, uh, in, uh, giving sight to the blind, raising the dead, driving out the devils. He's doing all this stuff, trying to get them to bring forth good fruits. So what does all this have to do with his path into Jerusalem? He's coming out from Bethany, the house of right figs. This is a town where he's found repentance and such people as Mary Magdalene, Martha, Lazarus, and he comes up from this town and he goes to Bethphage, the house of unripe green figs, into the holy city. He's symbolically warning them, even by the journey he takes. And of course, the day after Palm Sunday, on, the, on Monday, 
on Monday, the day after Palm Sunday, as he comes up to Jerusalem again to Bethphage, he stops and he searches for fruit on the fig tree. He knows there's not going to be fruit on the fig tree. He's doing a symbolic parable for them. He's God. He's not surprised there's not fruit there. He stops and he looks for fruit on the fig tree and he finds none. So he curses it and it withers and dies. It's a symbolic and frightening ending to his parable. It's a visible warning. He sought food on the fig tree, found none. Just as for three and a half years, he's been seeking good fruit from his people and finding none. So what about him riding up on the ass and the colt of the ass? What's all that mean? It's a fulfillment of a prophecy of Zacharias. The fathers point out that our Lord first rode on the ass, then he got off, and he rode on the colt. Why? The ass was broke dry, but the colt wasn't. The ass was a symbol of the Jews who had been subject to God and his law. And the colt, which wasn't broke dry, was a symbol of the Gentiles who had been running wild since roughly the time of Noah. When our Lord rode brief, ass briefly and then got off it, and got on and started riding the colt, he was again symbolically warning the Jews they are about to be rejected. And the Gentiles are going to take their place. What's with the palms? In the olden days, for both Jews and Gentiles, palms symbolized victory and triumph. We can see this in Old Testament books such as Leviticus and First Maccabees. We can see the Jews using palms for just those purposes, as we see today in our Lord's Psalm entry into Jerusalem. Champions at Roman games were awarded palm branches. Palms were also used in the great triumphs when an emperor celebrated a victory over an enemy. We still see the idea in Christian art and prayer. We'll see it oftentimes in stained glass windows and holy cards or statues. We always talk about martyrs receiving the palm of martyrdom. And we'll see them standing there with a palm that symbolized their triumphal victory over death. That they successfully conquered death and ended up in heaven. So there's a lot more to all, all, all the symbolism today, but let's take a brief moment to consider symbolism of what we're doing here personally. The procession out of the church, around and back in, on the first level represents, of course, our Lord's triumphant entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. But on another level, it represents the triumphal entry into the heavenly Jerusalem that won't happen until Ascension Thursday. So it's, because it's, it's, it, on the first level, the earthly Jerusalem on the second level of heavenly Jerusalem. Now some of the ceremonies were easier to understand before uh, Pius XII changed the ceremonies in 55. Because it used to be when you came to the procession, you'd get to the doors and the doors were closed. And on the inside there was a choir singing part of the, part of the song. And the outside the choir is answering, so they're going back and forth. The inside choir symbolized the angels and the church triumphant. The outside choir and everybody else symbolizes, of course, the church militant and heaven's closed. And then the, the subdeacon would bang on the door with the crucifix and the doors fly open, symbolizing that heaven is opened by our Lord's sacrifice on the cross. And then people can finally come into heaven, huh? So they bang on it and do that. Unfortunately, you know, they take that out. It made it easy to understand. Sometimes, you know, they simplify and it makes it harder to know what you're doing. At any rate, uh, it symbolizes when we're coming back in, members of the church militant joining the church triumphant, coming up successfully into the ranks of heaven. Okay, then what happens right after that? Mass begins and, and we, we go into the singing of the Passion. 
The Passion reminds us that between the triumphal procession of our Lord into the earthly Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and his triumphal procession of our Lord into the heavenly Jerusalem on Ascension Thursday, our Lord suffered his agony and his passion. That's what opened heaven up. It had been slammed shut thanks to Adam until our Lord opened it up. That ought to give every one of, one of us pause because in the first place, he had to come, become man, and go through all the suffering that we're reminded of during Holy Week because of our sins. Our sins, huh? In the second place, as Catholics, as members of the only true religion, our Lord has the same message for us as he had for his people while he was visibly present here on earth, huh? He's been coming to look for fruits of repentance in each of our lives, especially during this holy season of Lent. He's warned each one of us time and time again throughout the liturgy and throughout the year, unless you repent, you will surely perish. And in the third place, just as our Lord used his path into Jerusalem, a fig tree and an ass and a cult of an ass to warn the Jewish people of his collective judgment of them, so also, he's given us, Catholics, very clear indications of his collective judgment of us. We'll just consider two this morning. First, at the eighth station of the cross, our Lord says to the weeping women of Jerusalem, Don't weep for me. Weep for your children. For there will come a time when they will say, Blessed are the barren, the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. In other words, he's telling the women of Jerusalem they would, should weep for the people that live in that time. A time when our Lord will again come looking for fruits. Fruits of the womb. But instead of finding those fruits, he'll find people that say, blessed are the barren. He'll find people that actually think it's better to not have children. To be sterilized. To contracept. Or even abort those fruits. He's telling the women of Jerusalem to wait for the people in that time who are not bringing forth the fruits that he expects. I don't think you need me to tell you that we're living in that time. Second, our Lord is also giving Catholics a very clear indication of his collective judgment of us by the state of the church. As St. John Hughes explains, quote, the most evident mark of God's anger and the most terrible castigation that he can inflict upon the world are manifested when he permits his people to fall into the hands of a clergy who are priests more in name than in deed. When God permits such things, it is a very positive proof that he is thoroughly angry with his people and is visiting his most dreadful anger upon them. Close quote. So God is clearly warning us that collectively, as a Catholic people, he's thoroughly angry with us. We each need to bring forth fruits of repentance. We need to become holy. This Holy Week, we really need to enter into ourselves and think of what it is that Christ did for us what it is that we've done to him. We need to become holy. And then each one of us 
can win that glorious palm of victory and follow Christ our Lord into that glorious triumphal procession into heaven. We need to commit ourselves to holiness.